Thanks so much to Grammarly for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the AppleBits XL episode 55. Beats easy here. Nice, slow, and easy. It's everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Having a fun time out here, and I just want to let you know, thank you so much for all of you who continue to support the show. Patreon.com slash Tong is how you can support this starting at $2 a month, and the biggest bonus there, you get a completely ad-free version of the show. You hear it all the way through, no ads whatsoever. I'm so grateful that we're getting sponsors on the show as well, and then I also offer a bunch of different bonuses if you support it at Patreon.com slash Tong. I also want to say thank you so much for all of you who called in. You guys came out and really represented. We had literally over 30 calls. Obviously, we can't get all of them. Some of them weren't that great. Some of them had a bad signal. But uh, I just want to say thank you for continuing to kind of bring that organic feel and flavor to the show. Call in at 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. I want to continue to hear what you're all thinking about just in all the topics in general. But let's just jump right into it and we're going to start off with some of kind of the big news this week and the top story really comes to us from Bloomberg and Mark German who's a friend of the show who's been on here a couple times we're not even going to talk about iPhone elite the story we're talking about the Apple Watch in the report Apple is said to be adding sleep tracking features to the Apple Watch by 2020 in the story it says the company has been using the sleep tracking feature for several months with testers at secret sites around its Cupertino, California headquarters. That's according to people that are familiar with it. If the functionality is successful in the testing phases, the company will plan to add it to the Apple Watch by 2020, according to those sources from Bloomberg. And this is really interesting. I think if you've seen and heard how I talk about the Apple Watch Series 4, I love it. It is Apple finally, literally just knocked it out of the park. It took four years to get there, but it's an amazing complimentary device. And yeah, you need your phone to set it up, but I'm waiting for the day where you don't, where you could just use the Apple Watch as is because you really can now that it has LTE if they gave us the freedom to do that. One of the biggest things that I always said about it is it needs better health tracking, sleep tracking. Specifically, if you have ever used a Fitbit and you see the in-depth data that you can get from a Fitbit in regards to sleep tracking, it's pretty amazing. And there's no reason Apple couldn't do that. I've been asking for that actually probably since Series 1 or Series 2. So it's a good thing that they're working on it. It no, Without a doubt, it'll eventually come to the Apple Watch. One of the reasons why they're kind of looking at this is that initially the batter, the battery on an Apple Watch, at least for me, really just couldn't last more than a day. It was mostly even under a day. Right now, they're advertising it to be around 18 hours, but a lot of people are finding that Series 3 and 4 models can easily get to almost two days, if not two days on a single charge. So with this improved battery life, people can wear them longer. Apple's working on getting this sleep tracking, and over the life of a product too, the next generation will get better as well. So this could even be part of a feature that's part of a new low power special mode that incorporates sleep tracking according to German's report. So we already know that 
Apple's iOS health app, that's their separate app that collects all this data, um, does include a tab for sleep analysis data, which is kind of more pulled from the alarm clock, but this is not like true on-wrist sensing. So we'll see what happens, but I think that this is a great thing. 2020 seems like too far away from me. I want them, I'd like to see it in 2019, quite honestly, but I know they have to test it. I mean, they they have this huge, rigorous facility where they do all the fitness testing for the Apple Watch itself. So yes, I did complain about Apple kind of trailing in the iPhone game, at least from a hardware's perspective. I think everyone can agree that is not a false statement by any means. But over time, do they try and, is their motto of being giving you the best experience, does it hold true? In many cases, yes. I'm not gonna say in all cases because I got those people that are saying, oh, they they always do this. Don't ever use the word always in an argument unless you say the Apple Bits XL is always a good show. That's, that is always a good time to use the word always. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Another report, this one comes to a Mac Rumors reader who posted a screenshot shows that Apple Music integration may be possibly coming to Google Home devices. We saw that it is now available on Amazon Echo devices earlier this year, which was like, at the time was like, oh, whoa, they're, they're actually doing it. We already know that the actual Apple Music app has its own app for Android, but putting the Apple Music service directly integrated into a Google Home device would be the next step. And then almost another reason why you're like, huh, why do I need to get a HomePod other than it sounds freaking amazing and costs a whole lot of money? So there was actually a screenshot that showed an Apple Music listing within the Google Home app on iOS devices, but now you can't find it anymore. It can't be linked to a Google Home device, but it was there. In a statement to VentureBeat, Google did say that Apple Music is limited to the Google Assistant and there's no new announcement regarding Google Home, but Apple Music is only currently available for the Assistant on mobile phones and we have nothing to announce regarding updates to Google Home. And then like I said, in another update, Apple Music is no longer showing up as an option in the Google Home app. It's coming. You don't just you don't just throw that out there accidentally. It's coming. People always talk about software, Apple just crushing it, and their adoption rate of upgrading to the latest OS. According to the latest report and the numbers on the App Store developer page, Apple has seen a 5% increase in iOS adoption with now 80% of iOS devices now running iOS 12. Four out of every five iOS devices are now running iOS 12. Some better than others. But the crazy thing about it is when you look at iOS software adoption across the board compared to any other platform, it it is dominant. I think in any, like for example, on Android, it's somewhere typically around like a 20, 20 to 30% adoption for the newest OS, if that. But part of the reason why that happens is because the way that Android is deployed via carriers is so much slower. It's so much more fragmented depending on the carrier, depending on when it gets approved. They're released at different times and different carriers. It's just not It's just not nearly the same experience. And yeah, another huge reason of why, you know, even though Apple may trail in the hardware side, the software side is pretty sweet. One thing that so many of you 
continue to talk to me about is Apple's products are still too expensive. Well, Apple COO Jeff Williams, he spoke at Elon University on Friday, February the 22nd. So this is about a week ago from the time that we're recording this. Uh, We are on the 28th right now recording as of this recording. And he talked about his history of joining Apple But he also says that Apple is very aware of the concerns of Apple products costs. You should be aware because we keep on telling y'all. Now, Williams in the interview dismissed the reports and gave a reason for this. He says, the stories that come out about the cost of our products have been the bane of my existence from the beginning of time, including our early days. Analysts don't really understand the cost of what we do and how much care we put into making our products. He then on one to explain about Apple Watch's activity tracker, how they built their own physiology lab that they promoted and made sure everyone knew about uh, to the media that had 40 nurses, 10,000 participants. But Williams did say that it's still an area they're paying attention to. He follows up with a statement. It's something we're very aware of. We do not want to be an elitist company. Bullshit. That's not, we want to be an egalitarian company and we've got a lot of work going on in the development markets. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna break that down for a little bit. We do not want to be an elitist company. Maybe they don't now and their, their solution for not being an elitist company is selling models of products two or three years older at a lower price. It's not having a lower priced introductory price for a brand new product, okay? So when they say when they say that we don't want to be an elitist company, uh, look, I worked at Apple Retail a long time ago. There was a mantra, literally a poster on the wall. And what did it say to show, to kind of reinforce the value or the brand cachet of Apple? It's it used a direct example that Mercedes-Benz cars only I believe at the time it was three to four percent of car owners drive a Mercedes. And they Apple kind of made the the match that currently only four to five percent of people use Apple products. And it's not about having the largest market share. It's about the quality and the customer that you're driving. Look, Apple is a mainstream company now. But they, the reason why they have brand cachet is because they do come from roots of being a more elitist company and something you want to attain, something that is priced like, oh, they, they wouldn't have priced the iPhone 10 at 1000 bucks if they really wanted that phone to be for everyone or the iPhone 10s. They wouldn't. So look, I see what they're saying. Yes, they offer... The correct way to put it is they offer lower price products for everyone that are old models. <laughs> Anyways, the fact that Apple is aware of concerns over their Apple product costs, they definitely can't tout that because if you look at the iPhone, sales have been flat for pretty much the past two years while iPhone prices have skyrocketed and that's how they've made up for the loss in sales and to maintain the revenue numbers is because the price of iPhones has skyrocketed. It's not because they're more affordable for everyone. That's not why. So, good try, Jeff, but yeah. 
I also talked to you guys about the culture of Apple, how things have shifted. If you've heard uh, some of the other shows we've talked about here, I've said that, you know, from what I've heard from people directly, that Apple has kind of shifted to where the decisions in their product products have been driven more by marketing than by technology and innovation. And everyone says, oh, Apple still innovates. And yes, they do. They're, it's not like they're sitting on their hands doing nothing, but they're not pushing that envelope as hard as others. And this is not a statement of, oh, we need a foldable phone. I'm not even saying that. I'm even saying at the very base level, when you saw what Samsung brought to the table, not only with the foldable phone concept, but just purely the Samsung Galaxy S10, that's an innovative phone. And then when we see what happens with the, let's call it the iPhone 11, and we stack them up side by side, at least from a hardware standpoint, uh, you're going to see in 2019, it's going to feel like they're behind. It is. Do I 100% know what they're putting out this year? No. Do I feel like 80% confident I know what they're putting out? Yes. We've talked about it and all the rumors mills have it. But here's a perfect article that reinforces why I talked about how Apple is being driven by marketing more than uh, engineering and innovation and why it's hurting them. A new report from the information took a look at like 180 influential leaders at Apple who are molding the future of the company. And one of the topics in this article um, talked about Tim Cook's management style, but also the rise of other leaders at the company. And one of them is Phil Schiller. That's senior VP Phil Schiller. We see him at all. He's notorious for saying a lot of things at Apple's keynotes. But one interesting detail is where he writes shorthand, NFW as a way to allegedly in the report shoot down bad ideas. Here's what the information says. Schiller holds considerable sway over Apple's product roadmaps and can shoot down a project if he disapproves of it. They said, when the Spotlight search team was pitching a new feature in a meeting a few years ago, for example, one of Mr. Schiller's lieutenants told the group that his response to the proposal was NFW, short for no F in a way. The feature was shelved. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, this is concerning to me that Phil Schiller has authority to shoot down or say yay or nay on products because I've just heard things from not even this past year, but from, let's say, five years ago, 10 years ago, that let's just put it this way. He should not be one of the people that is literally deciding products that get made or product features. Let's just put it nicely that way. I think he loves the company. I think he believes that. He's one of those early founding fathers of the company that was with Steve. But let's be real. Where did all the ideas come from? They most likely came from Steve and not from Philly Shilly. So this report totally reinforces what I've said two, three months ago that Apple, a lot of Apple's decision-making is more driven by marketing, Phil Schiller, than it is by engineering and innovation. Like you're not marketing doesn't come up with innovative ideas for a product. Their job is to market the innovative product in general. I'm not saying that is so that bothers me when I read that. It bothers me. But hey, there you go. Okay. We're gonna kind of shift a little bit. I don't know how you guys and gals feel about that. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Does that does that make you happy? Does that make you feel a little more concerned that that's kind of some of the, the power structure going on over there? I don't know. The, the report also notes Tim Cook. Sorry, I'm going to go back to this real quick. 
Um, the report also does mention how Tim Cook approaches his CEO role as more as a delegator and guide and doesn't get involved with product decisions. So in the report, unlike Mr. Jobs, a legendary control freak, Mr. Cook is a consensus builder who tends to closely consult with his top lieutenants. Former operations and chain supply chain guru for Apple, he avoids meddling in product decisions, as Mr. Jobs did, for people that are familiar with his leadership style. He, they also said that Cook's style of management in the company is less political compared to the Jobs era. The story says directly, one advantage to Mr. Cook's approach is that relations between the company's senior VPs are less politically volatile than they were with the Jobs era said current and former employees. When conflicts arise, Mr. Cook expects his lieutenants to resolve their differences. SJ often picks sides and saw benefits to pitting executives against each other. Okay, again, remember, I've said this like months ago, not even joking, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that people are more at ease and enjoy working at Apple more under Tim Cook's leadership. They don't have that fear of Steve they don't have that power of Steve that drives them crazy. And who benefits from, like, these are two pure examples. Phil Schiller doing marketing and Tim Cook's kind of, hey, you guys figured out, I'm going to stay hands off of products that are deliberate, right, systematic reasons of why Apple doesn't feel the same way. So maybe they can blow us out of the water. I They came up with the Apple Watch under Tim Cook's watch it took them four years to get it right. That's a really long time for Apple to get something right. And they jumped on board is because Pebble created so much momentum on Kickstarter and then every major company jumped on the smartwatch bandwagon. It wasn't in their real roadmap at that time. So the information just really literally backing up everything I've said about how I thought things were going down. And I'm glad it, it, it backs that up. All right, uh, now we will shift gears a little bit. Uh, talking about 5G, everyone, a lot of people's like, oh, 5G is not going to be ready for the iPhone. I don't care. And you know what? I think you have a point there, but I just kind of wanted to give you guys and gals an update of what's going on from a 5G standpoint. Uh, in just the overall, at least in the US, what the carriers are doing, Verizon is planning to launch 5G in 30 cities this year. Now, Verizon won't say which cities they are, they talked about it at Samsung's Unpacked event. They didn't say exactly when they would deploy them, but it will. you've got to imagine when that 5G Samsung Galaxy S10 version comes out, it will also come out. So the the thinking is it's got to be at least, you know, maybe the it's got to be in the first half of the year of 2019 because that's when the S10 5G is supposed to be coming. So at least by the middle of the year, we'll see it. T-Mobile, they won't make a serious push until the second half of 2019. That's what CTO Neville Ray said. Um, they had initially promoted 5G in the first half of 2019, but they're saying they're delaying the rollout because smartphones able to take advantage of its 5G network won't be available until later. So we have T-Mobile saying, okay, second half of the year. Sprint will be launching 5G in May, starting in four cities. Those will be Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas and Kansas City. Then they also plan to expand that to Houston, LA, New York, Phoenix, and Washington, DC by the first half of 2019. Again, major cities, we know this, but look, if 5G actually works as promised, 
and there will be some hiccups. But if it does in 2019, and Apple's going to bring their phone in late September, October 2020, it's literally going to be about like a year to year and a half behind. We'll just see how the 5G performance is because that's really the true test. Even this report, Intel's 5G chips won't appear in mobile phones until 2020. Well, guess who the biggest customer for Intel's 5G chips are? Apple. So again, they may be more than a year behind delivering 5G speeds. And again, we'll just have to see how it plays out in the real world. Apple has that whole beef with Qualcomm that has left Apple reliant on Intel for its chips. It doesn't look like Apple and Qualcomm will be squashing their beef anytime soon. So it's not like all of a sudden Qualcomm can slide in and get their 5G chips in the new iPhones coming out even in 2020. I mean, the 2019 chips, nah, that's that's definitely not happening. All right. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top pros, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Now, Grammarly, if you don't know, it's a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. So you can start off this year by improving yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere else with Grammarly. It's available across platforms, including your online browser extension, a desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. Some of the key features, well, Grammarly is available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and all platforms, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, and the free product reviews critical spelling and grammar. Now, the premium version of Grammarly looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation structure, style with context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions, whether it's a business proposal or academic essay. And trust me, I know I need all of the above. Now, you can stop making email typos on your phone, close more deals at work this year with your emails, and polish your resume to get that new job. Grammarly is going to help you accomplish that. Now, I actually installed the plugin on my browser, and what I found, which was awesome, is it literally worked instantly, whether it was um, with my email client, on Twitter, on um, on YouTube comments. Like Grammarly, they underline the stuff that clearly wasn't grammatically correct, and I suggested the other solutions You also have the premium account and there's some cool things in there. Punctuation and contextual spell checker was cool. There's also plagiarism detection. So you can't really get away with copying that report and it still works across the web. So go to Grammarly.com slash AppleBits to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash AppleBits with a Z for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. All right, if we want to kind of talk about some of the other little bits and bytes going around Apple, I thought this was really cool, something you should check out. It's a new app called Spectre, S-P-E-C-T-R-E. Why do I, I rarely talk about apps, but you got to try this, honestly. It's a long exposure camera app for the iPhone. It's from the creators of Halide, which was another camera app. Uh, But what makes it cool is you can do things like, and even with the image stabilization on your phone, hold your phone to make crowds disappear. So it takes photos of touristy places and sets a medium long duration to erase the crowd from the location to capture kind of those moments that you, you seriously, right? A busy street. Uh, talk about like 
the Shibuya crossing in Japan. That would be amazing to use it. You can also do like rivers of light to kind of see those cool light trails from cars for cool nighttime photography. And then they also talked about like gorgeous waterfalls to kind of get that ghostly water effect. This is an app, Spectre. I'm not even trying to make this an advertisement. I saw it. I checked it out. I download. I'm like, I got to tell you all about this. This is really cool. So just check it out when you have a chance. Now, also, we know we talk about the future of Apple. Where is Apple innovating? Well, a new patent has really revealed how Apple might be developing their augmented reality handset or glasses. That could be released by 2020 or 2021. Um, This is a newly granted Apple patent that describes a method for representing points of interest in view in a view of a real environment on a mobile device. Now, there's no specific mention of Apple glasses here, but the patent does describe a head-mounted display. There's illustrations of how it would look. Uh, You would have like the overlay computer-generated information on a view of the real environment. One of the illustrations shows a head-mounted display showing buildings with different labels on them. But we had earlier reports from Mark Gurman a while, while back. I feel like it might be even around like a, a year ago where he said that Apple's work not only working on a headset, but it'll be using a custom iOS-based operating system called ROS for now internally. And he also said the headset would wirelessly connect to an iPhone. This patent supports what German reported a long time ago. Apple's also required multiple um, augmented reality startups. So Mateo in 2015, Vrvana in 2017, Aconia Holographics. They've hired people away from Microsoft's HoloLens products as well. I mean, they're trying to create this brain trust to build their version of the Apple glasses, which I'm honestly fascinated by it. I don't wear glasses. I don't know how it'll apply to me, but I'm honestly, to me, this could be their chance to kind of have that next groundbreaking product. I don't know. I don't even know what it's going to be, but it's a new space. No one has touched it. People are all trying to race to it, but right now the hardware is too big and too bulky, but it being a complimentary piece to your iPhone, that might just right there make it a smaller wearable form factor. And that's a good thing for all these devices right now. So just kind of what... Apple is thinking and what the patent revealed. I also wanted to take time because I know a lot of our listeners, yes, there's a majority of men that listen to this, but there's women that listen to the show, but a lot of you have daughters, nieces, nephews, wives. Apple is celebrating International Women's Day with the Girls Who Code partnership and more through March. So they're doing kind of a lot of cool events, and I just kind of wanted to highlight them really quickly. First, Apple is partnering with Girls Who Code. Um, This is to support new coding opportunities for girls and young women in the U.S. So they're using Apple's Everyone Can Code curriculum to 90,000 girls and Girls Who Code club facilitators in all 50 states. They can have an opportunity to learn Swift. I haven't even learned Swift. Most of you haven't either, but um, that's Apple's programming language and they have like this whole curriculum around it. Second, Apple stores around the world Visitors can attend over 60 today at Apple Sessions and a new Made by Woman series held in multiple flagship stores. Third, Apple Watch users can earn an exclusive badge and iMessage stickers when they complete a walk, run, or wheelchair wheelchair workout of a mile or longer on International Women's Day, which is Friday, 
March 8th this year. And then fourth, every app of the day featured in the App Store in March will highlight an app founded, developed, or led by a woman. That's sick. I have nieces. I I mean, this isn't for my mom, but I think this is really cool for my niece to be able to be like, hey, be exposed to this stuff. This is great. Also, Apple is highlighting their best photos shot on iPhone around the world. You can actually go to Apple's newsroom website to see. Remember, they offered the challenge to the public and then people are complaining, hey, uh, you have the right to, the agreement was Apple could have the right to use this wherever they want without any compensation. People complained about it and Apple said they would be financially compensating photographers. So they have the winners posted on their site. These will be used uh, around on billboards, in Apple stores, in market material. There's some amazing stuff. There's this cool photo of a raccoon through like the dead, a dead tree stump, but the raccoon's head is in there in black and white from Blake Marvin. I thought that picture was really cool. There was like a really awesome one where there's like a reflection of water on the ground from like, let's say a rainy day. It looks like it's shaped like a heart and then someone is walking in that reflection. It's from Dina Alfasi from Israel. The pictures that one ranged anywhere from an iPhone 7 to an iPhone 10 and 10s. So another reason why you don't got to upgrade your phone yet. <laughs> All right. And then just to look back, just a little, got to show, we always got to show love to SJ on February 24th. So that was about four days from the recording of this. That marks Steve Jobs' 64th birthday. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine all the amazing things that we have thanks to him and his team, but really thanks to his brain? It would be his 64th birthday. Uh, it was on February the 24th. He did pass away on October the 5th, 2011. Um, Tim Cook even shared a tweet reflecting on how Steve Jobs would have loved Apple Park. That was kind of his legacy building he created before he passed. Tim Cook said, Steve's vision is reflected all around us at Apple Park. He would have loved it here in this place he dreamed up, the home and inspiration for Apple's future innovations. We miss him today on his 64th birthday and every day. It's a real nice message from Tim Cook. All right, I told you. To call in the show, 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Or email us at the Show at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z. So let's listen. I think I have eight calls today. I wanted to show love, but there's a lot of great stuff and great nuggets in here. So let's start off with Camacho. Hey, this is Camacho from Marietta, California. Hey, um... One of the things that I, I really do like the Samsung hardware, don't get me wrong, but I think we're giving Samsung too much credit. One of the biggest things that I have is device support. I'm sorry. I had Samsung. I had the S8 Plus. I had the S6. They're bad with software updates. I know they have the One UI coming up, but I'm sorry. Apple is king on software. And I have a OnePlus actually too. And that has been getting more consistent updates than my fellow colleagues who have Samsung devices. I'm sorry. If Samsung dropped the, the ball's in their court, but if they drop the ball on software updates, I'm sorry. No matter how cool your hardware is, it's about the execution of the software. And that's where Apple is king. Apple, they need to start innovating. That's what they, need, they do need to do. And that's it. 
All right. Thanks, Camacho. Yeah, I think all great points about the software. You know, a lot of that is driven uh, specifically by the carriers and their deployment and how Android is connected to those carriers and tested out. Um, and that's not making an excuse. That's just how it is. But at the end of the day, what what matters is how the consumer perceives it and how we receive it. And absolutely, Apple's iOS updates are much quicker. Um, I like to wait two or three days before I actually install it on them. Just because we've seen what's happened in the past. But yeah, I'm there with you. All right, let's check out what Adam has to say. Hey, Brian, this is Adam Jones from Utah. I've called him once before when you get we're still on the Apple bite, but wanted to call in now, support you independently. But anyways, uh, I'm listening to your episode talking about um, the Samsung event. And I, I agree that when I saw that come out, and saw that they had, you know, are really pushing the limits. I think on, on what they're trying to innovate with, and and I saw like that's so good for them. I so wish Apple was doing this. And just tell me your opinion on this. I see it as Apple's focus has shifted from being like innovative and and partnering with consumers to have really innovative technology that is user friendly. To now their focus, um, intentionally or not, I think really is just trying to focus on being a profitable, a really profitable and high-valued company, and the resources and brain power that they have are just put towards that, how to get you know, tons of revenue, tons of profit, um, and, and you know, a, a, a appease the, the shareholders that they have and all these things. And I think eventually they're going to get a wake-up call and need to just say, whoa, we're going to stop focusing on, on profits and, um, and revenue, and we're going to just go back to um, focusing on innovating and really creating uh, products that make you say, wow. I hope that's where they're headed. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, let me know. Thanks. Appreciate the show. Yeah, I think that the story earlier that I talked about on the show, and I, I put it in the show because it really connected to this voicemail, is just how the decision-making process there has shifted. But at the end of the day, you know, we've, we, know, we know the benefits of being in the Apple ecosystem and the amazing products that they have done. And it's not – I don't think it's because we're impatient – and we're like, oh, we need to see the fact, like, look, if Apple's behind a little bit, that's okay. But when it feels like you're two years behind and all you're saying is like, oh, iOS is better, do no one wants to be in that spot. <laughs> do we want to? No, but it's it's really, Tim Cook has always been an operations margin guy. He is the CEO. No matter what you say, the CEO does dictate the DNA of how the company runs and that's what we're seeing today. And that's probably not going to change drastically. And it's a different Apple today than it was before. And no matter what, once SJ is not leading it, it's always going to be that way. But I think they need to come to some sort of a middle ground and at least give us something to be excited about. And that's why I said in 2019, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with the iPhone. I don't know if they're going to be able to really do that with anything other than their Mac products this year, because that to me has the biggest opportunity to show us something new and different across the board in the entire Mac line. So maybe 2019 is the year of some great Mac hardware and software innovations for the iPad Pro and iPhone, uh, but but that's all we remember it for. I, I hope it's more, but I don't know. That's just what I'm feeling right now. I just using my gut. I could be totally wrong, but that's just what I'm feeling. So thanks for the call, Adam. I really appreciate that and appreciate your support. All right, we've got Reverend Omar who wants to keep all of us in check. Brian, this is Reverend Omar Rez from Flowers Cove, Newfoundland. 
Don't worry about Samsung. Apple is sitting on more money than Schmaug. They will be coming out with cool stuff. They don't have to follow. They innovate. Thanks for the show. Great show. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> okay, okay, hold up. Did we just get a Schmaug reference on freaking the Apple Bits XL? Hold on, hold on. I, got, I got to go back. This is hilarious to me. <laughs> Brian, this is Reverend Omarez from Flowers Cove, Newfoundland. Don't worry about Samsung. Apple is sitting on more money than Schmaug. They will be coming out. <laughs> Dude, he's talking about that big old dragon in the cave of gold coins and treasures from The Hobbit. In case you didn't, people are like, some people I know are like, wait, who, who's Schmaug? Who's Schmaug? Reverend Omar, you the man, man. <laughs> that killed me. All right, this one's coming to David. Uh, this is a email submission just using voice recording. So I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, this is kind of a sweet way to send it in because it sounds real good. Hey, Brian Tong, it's David over in San Antonio, Texas. I uh, just want to give you a little reaction with the Samsung Galaxy Fold and a couple of the other phones they dropped. Um, I too, I, I was watching some of the, the, the new releases on YouTube and stuff like that and reviews. Uh, it looks like a great phone. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm a big Apple fan as well. The uh, I, I, It's a Gen 1, so I'm not going to hold my breath. It's probably going to have a lot of bugs and a lot of tweaks that's going to have to go down to make it a little more reliable as an everyday household phone. Um, but it's funny because everyone made fun of uh, you know Apple coming out with the, the 10s and then the 10s Max and then the 10R. And then right behind them, Samsung did the same thing with the 10e and, and you know the other two 10s's and whatever else they're doing. Um, so they're following us just as much as we're following them. Um, and you know, it would be cool to see in a foldable iPad. I know that's not ever going to happen. Um, but it would be neat to be able to draw stuff on the fly. I'm not a big artist, but it'd be pretty cool. Um, I just think that, you know, Apple, Apple's got time. It would be neat. You know, when the, when the iPod first came out, no one really knew Apple was working on it until they dropped the bomb. So I'm hoping that they'll do the same thing here. They'll have something under wraps. They're not telling everybody else about because uh, it kind of gets annoying here, all the, hearing all the leaks. Um, it, it'd just be cool to have something, you know, completely under the radar that they drop. And then all of a sudden, you know, they just blow us out of the water with something. Uh, what do you think? Keep up the great work. I see you over there, JD Witherspoon follower. <laughs> He's referring to uh, the Facebook Watch game show that I'm hosting called Outside Your Bubble Check it out, facebook.com slash OYB. It's a fun, it's a live trivia slash live interactive game where we have real guests. It's it's just fun. Okay, so um, to get your comments, yes, would absolutely love to be surprised by Apple. It just doesn't happen as much anymore. And it, look, it's the day and age we live in. Everyone knows everything. It's the information age. It's just kind of unfortunate. That's just how it is. I do love your point about Samsung taking a page from Apple with the different models um, and the cheaper kind of lower end phone that's part of their series because you're right, everyone bothers from each, borrows from each other. Apple decided to make two phones, one with a bigger screen after Samsung. Samsung decides I'm gonna make a cheaper phone because Apple's offering a cheaper phone. It's, it's just how this world works in the tech world. Uh, that's why being original makes a difference of being first to being original and actually having something uh, that's a quality product makes a difference too all right here we go this one's coming to our boy film gob check out his youtube channel but he also just has some thoughts on tech hey brian it's shaker from scotland 
and uh, I'm just wanna say love your show and last week you pretty much summed up your feelings about you know how you feel as an Apple fan and you're looking over at what Samsung is doing with the Galaxy S10 and you summed up my feelings I mean I've never liked Samsung products I used to call them Samsung make fun of their software and their exploding phones but now I'm looking at the S10 uh, thinking you know maybe maybe it's time the specifications are beautiful you've got the USB-C fingerprint sensor inside the display a full screen with just a little hole in the top right which is much better than the notch back of Notre Dame that Apple is going to stick with and I'm just I'm just waving the white flag as an Apple fanboy I'm just waving the white flag Samsung are going to rule 2019 but I want to ask you you know what could Apple do because I'm seeing these foldable phones coming out and even though they're weird looking and you know I'm thinking what can Apple do and I'm looking here I've got my iPhone 8 plus sitting next to me and I'm lining it up with my iPad Pro uh, 9.7 inch and I'm thinking could they bring together two products if you shave off maybe a third of the iPad Pro have that as a display make maybe make it a new iPad mini but combine that with you know fold it up and then you've got your yourself an iPhone plus an iPhone max whatever you want to call it so they could combine two products into one what do you think about that? Uh, I think it would be pretty cool. Anyway, thanks a lot. Uh, love your show. Take care. All right. What's thanks so computer? much. What's a computer? <laughs> hey, uh, thanks so much for that's a reference to a, a skit that we did where I fell out of a tree mocking the iPad Pro ad. But, uh, you know, I think it's a great idea. If you if any of you have seen, actually, there's a video of the Huawei, Huawei Mate X. That is their foldable concept from Mobile World Congress are actually their foldable phone. Someone's playing a game on it, and all, all of a sudden, while they're playing a game on it, they fold it up and reveal like a larger screen to play the mobile game. And it was kind of like, that was juicy. I think the idea is cool. You know, we won't know if Apple will even ever do a foldable product. They might wait two years before they put out anything remotely foldable. If foldable doesn't show that it has legs, then you know, everyone will say, oh, Apple's right to do it all or not to do it all along. But I think typically when there's a lot of momentum around a product, for example, the Apple Watch, companies put out a product to just play in the space and see if they can do it the right way and their way. And then we end up seeing down the road who ends up winning that battle. Clearly, Apple won the Apple Watch battle, but it wasn't like Apple came out with their product, you know, a little bit, maybe I think I felt like maybe nine months to a year after everyone else. But this foldable thing, I don't see Apple coming out with a foldable product in the, in that long, but I'm not even worried about the foldable product. Again, I'm just comparing the S10 to the iPhone 10s right now. The S10 is a 6.1 inch phone with 60 no with 128 gigs of storage for 899. The iPhone 10s is a 5.8 inch screen with 64 gigs of storage for 999. Okay, it's gonna be that way for the next six to seven months. That just looks bad. But hey, iPhone 11, you got you you got time to show us what's up, all right? Let's go to our next call. This one's coming to us from Nick. Hi Brian, it's Nick from Austria. Just wanted to call and uh, to say the Samsung S10 is an awesome device, but the software is not as good as iOS. Samsung has so much crap apps on it and you can't just delete them. It's not possible. So, I don't know. 
as long as there is no iOS on the S10 device, I don't think I'm going to switch over. Thanks. Love your show. Bye. All right. Thanks, Nick. I love how crap ops. That's so awesome. I need. I, I think I need to take that sound bite and just like drop it in our show once in a while. Crap ups. Love you, Nick. And he also dropped in a versus via the email, applebitsshow at gmail.com. So thanks so much for that. And finally, going to go on to my man, Val in Jacksonville. Mr. Brian Tong, my man. This is Val out in Jacksonville. And yes, I am still mad about my glowing Apple logo. I want to go back to a couple of podcasts ago. You said that Apple products are too high. Yes, they are too, too high. I just went and bought the iPad Pro and I was in a couch looking for pennies, in the pants pockets looking for quarters, only finding lint. Second thing, this Samsung keynote was the first time I felt disappointed with Apple. I mean, how long are we going to go on blue bubbles? In addition to that, Continuity, Samsung seems to have just received it on their devices. So I feel like Apple is slipping. Anyway, let me know what you think. Appreciate it. Oh, man, Val, you're cracking me up. Blue bubbles, searching for this pen. You know what I'm going to call it? You know, I remember because he called into one of my live streams to talk when I do those. Um, I'm going to call you Jackson Val. That's where we're at. Jackson Val. That's your town, man. All right. Thank you so much for everyone who has listened and continue to support this show. We always got to give a shout out to our Platinum Apples. Those are our Patreon supporters at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you so much for all your support. And for everyone listening, you know, if you can continue to Tell your friends about it. Rate us five stars. Put down like a real review with words on it. I think we're over, we're on like 715 five-star reviews. Y'all are crazy. But uh, thank you so much for the love and thank you for continuing to listen and supporting the show because that's why I do it. I love doing this. And yeah, I'm doing some products on the side because that's what I got to do to make this all work. But I'm having fun and this will not go away. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. We'll talk to you soon next week. Remember to call 833-888-ABXL, 833-888-2295. We'll talk soon. Take care, all right? Peace.